talking with a friend a few months ago, um, he hit me with an idea. He said, I would love to see or hear an interview with each of the church staff and hear their Jesus story. And um, I got thinking, really it's been on my mind and heart for, um, for a while since that conversation about doing that very thing. So what you're seeing today, if you want to stick around and watch this video, is I'm going to start with me. You're going to hear a little bit of my story, how I became a Christian. Uh, what were, what's my story behind uh, me following Jesus as Lord and Savior? I'm in my office, as you see, uh, here at First Baptist in Kings Mountain. There's usually a lot of things going on here, so if you hear some noise in the background, just ignore it. I want to start with... Um, Really growing up, it was a warm summer day in South Florida, and I was born. No, I'm not going to start there. But I did. I was. I grew up as um, a South Floridian, a beach kid. I was born in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, when my mom and dad got divorced when I was four, uh, my mom moved to Boca, Boca Raton. And we moved to an apartment complex, did the single life till she got remarried when I was seven. And if I refer um, to my dad in any of this story, I refer, it's really my stepdad. He's the one that raised me. He was the father figure in that. But I've grown up, I grew up in a very supportive family, a blended family. I was the youngest, four boys, two stepbrothers and another brother and um for really a lot of growing up, because I was um, really a lot younger than the others, most of the time was just me at the house growing up um, in my family. I would consider the house that I grew up in a very loving, supportive uh, family, um, close to my grandparents and family gatherings and things like that. But one way that I would describe, I would not describe my family is religious. We were not very religious at all. And by that, I mean we didn't go to church. We didn't pray together. We didn't talk about Jesus or spiritual things. It just was non-existent. And, uh, but if you would ask me growing up, hey, are you a Christian? I would say, well, yeah. Because growing up in the area I grew up in with friends and people around me in that environment in South Florida that was... Um, Jewish, a lot of people were Catholic, I would say, well, I'm Christian, I guess, because I'm an American. It was what I thought. It wasn't right, but it's what I thought. Um, I would say that growing up, we, I think when I was maybe 10 or 11, uh, maybe even younger than that, we tried church for a couple weeks, and that didn't stick. Kids were bored with the Sunday school classes we were in, and my dad didn't appreciate the pastor preaching on money and tithing. So we never went back. That was our church experience for me growing up. My other church experience kind of came uh, perhaps um, not really attending services, but I was involved in Boy Scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout. Uh, and through my years of scouting, we were connected with, um, we were connected with a Lutheran church. And um, I guess I, I got to experience church a little bit um, peripherally, so to speak. But it was very foreign for me. God, the Bible, Jesus. Uh, the only Jesus, for the most part, I heard growing up was when people uh, were swearing. 
and I just didn't understand um, really a lot of the details about that. When I was in sixth grade, my parents uh, moved me to a different school, and the school that I grew up and ended up graduating high school from was sponsored by the Episcopal Church. And lo and behold, we were required to go to chapel three times a week for six years. And church, um, that really, I guess going to chapel didn't help clarify a lot of the things for religion and the Bible and Jesus, even going to Bible classes and taking ethics classes and being an acolyte and singing hymns in chapel. I was still um, really confused by a lot of those things. And honestly, for the most part, being an athlete growing up, being involved in scouts, uh, I, where there weren't many things that, uh, for me, that I didn't really think about religious things. It just wasn't on my radar. Since we didn't go to church as a family, we didn't talk about it around the table at dinner. Jesus, the Bible, God, religious life, just was the farthest thing from my um, existence, really. When I was seven, um, my parents made the decision to send me off to summer camp. And not just any summer camp. It was uh, weeks away from home every summer at a camp called Camp Rockmont in Black Mountain, North Carolina. And in Black Mountain, North Carolina, this camp uh, became my home for a few weeks every summer uh, all the way through my teenage years and even into college. And outside of perhaps the church I was connected in Boy Scouts, perhaps the things I was experiencing at St. Andrews from my high school, Camp Rockmont became, for me, really one of the places that I was exposed to God and to Christians and the people who um, talked about the Bible a little bit. You see, Camp Rockmont was and is to this day a Christian boys camp. And even though it wasn't really in your face as far as um, evangelism is concerned, we would pray, we would have devotions, we would open the Bible. My mom even had to, it's on the packing list for camp, had to send a Bible with me. My first Bible was one that I received when I had to take it with me to camp. It was on the checklist. So camp for me every summer from age seven all the way into my teenage years was a little bit of exposure to Jesus, to people praying, to Christianity, so to speak. Fast forward a little bit. Uh, by the time I graduated high school or got to my later years of high school, um, I guess for me, I, I really wanted to get out of state. I began to apply to colleges. I'm telling my kids the other day, even my older older ones, uh, about applying to all schools out of state. Now, I don't want my kids to do that because I want them to be close by. But for me, I applied to college, five colleges all out of the state of Florida. On college visits, the one that really impressed me the most, maybe not from conversations I had or even my personal research, was really my visit with my mom to Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina. And that visit, I really felt impressed, um, up, up really upon my mind and, and heart, I guess, that this was the place that I needed to be. What I didn't know was that it was a small Baptist college at the time in the upstate of South Carolina. Knew nothing much about it 
other than it was a small liberal arts school uh, that um, seemed to have everything I was looking for in a college. Small classrooms, um, wonderful campus life, really an opportunity for me that, I, that really I looked forward to. So when I graduated high school, I went off in August or 1st of September in 1991 and was a freshman at Furman. And for in many ways, began a new opportunity for me to start afresh. <clears throat> nothing against the friends I had growing up, nothing against my high school, nothing against my family in South Florida, but it was just the time in life when I needed, um, I needed a new start. I needed a fresh, uh, fresh beginning, so to speak. So for me, I uh, lived it up freshman year. Uh, right away, had a great group of friends from my hall that we played intramurals with. We spent just about every waking moment out of class with these friends and uh, just enjoyed it, enjoyed my experience um, as a freshman in college. Wasn't a big partier, but um, there were times that I would you know, experience the party scene a little bit and um, you know, really kind of thought I had it all. But things began to change a little for me towards the end of my freshman year. I had what the world seemed to say is everything you need to be happy, everything you need to be content, everything you need um, in this life. And yet for me, something seemed to be missing. Not just something, but really the most important things in my life. There was um, a gap, a hole in my life. And I began to ask myself some of the questions that I think when you move from childhood into adulthood, every person needs to ask some of these major questions. For me, it was questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Is our existence just to, to live it up then to be worm food when we die? What about history? What about the future? What about God? Well, there were questions that I did not have answers to. And as I began to really um, look inward and look at my life, I realized that I didn't have the answers to those questions and the people around me seemed to not have answers to those questions. And really, I wasn't even bold enough to ask them if they had answers to those questions. But for me, it brought back, I guess, in recall, some of the time that I had spent at Camp Rockmont. Some of my experience growing up with maybe perhaps some conversations about religion and about God and about Christianity. For me, towards the end of my freshman year into the start of my sophomore year, in the fall of 1992, I began to hope and think, well, maybe, hmm, maybe the church has the answers to these questions that are on my mind and on my heart. Maybe the church can really tell me more about God, because I had a lot of questions, and more about me and more about the connection between God and me. So I began, I think I was introduced to a friend uh, that that fall semester, my fresh my sophomore year, and I started going to a church in 
downtown Greenville, Buncombe Street Methodist Church, a strong Bible teaching church. And I began to be over occasionally going to church. I didn't go every week, but there were there were some times there that I spent um, that that fall season. I began to be exposed to the Bible and the Bible taught, the Bible preached what we would consider the truths of the Christian gospel, the good news of Jesus. And it really kind of helped me to connect the dots, like a like to connect the dots, dot to dot to dot to dot. The picture began to be more clear for me of this person, historically speaking, spiritually speaking, named Jesus. And um, as I would look back, I know that the seed of God word, God's word was being sown in the soil of my heart. But yet the questions still remain for me. There was still a disconnect to, okay, hearing these things about God, and I see where I'm at personally, and I didn't know how to bridge that gap. You see, for me, a sophomore year brought even stronger conviction of really the brokenness that I was. I would look in the mirror and see, if I were honest, the honest assessment was that I was broken. There was something missing. There were things about me that I um, that drove me crazy, that I was that concerned me, that worried me, that I did not like. I would look back and say that clearly it was sin, but I didn't know in my mind um, how, what to call it or, or really how to understand and grasp it. But I still continued going to church. Well, I came back and second semester in, in the spring of 1993, second part of my sophomore year. And as, um, as experience happened, I was introduced to um, a, a young lady named Erin. Now, I'm just going to cut to the chase and, 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 and really no mystery whatsoever. I'm now married to this young lady. Um, she's younger than me, so I can still call her young, even though we're not as young as we once were. But uh, one of my good friends um, was friends with uh, Aaron in class, and uh, somehow our group of friends um, began to hang out together. And we were introduced, and um, over the course of weeks and perhaps a month or so, Aaron and I began to um, spend more time independently of the group together. And clearly there was some attraction there. I, I mean, my kids don't like it, but... I, say she was, um, I'm not allowed to say she was hot, but she was good looking. She was cute. I loved her personality. We clicked in so many ways. Um, if I were honest, would I want to date her? Absolutely. Sure. But I knew, um, after getting to know Aaron, that there was something different about her and she would not date me. And I knew why. And it became clear to me that one of the biggest reasons why she wouldn't date me not only because the way that I was in some ways and was not a Christian and some of the ways I was living, but it was basically because I wasn't a Christian. Um, I wasn't a Christian in my heart, in my mind, in my life. And that reverberated and expressed in the way that I lived. But Aaron didn't give up on me. Looking back, Aaron would tell me that she began praying for me. We were good friends and spent a lot of time together. She knew that I wasn't a Christian. And 
we would spend a lot of time together talking, riding in the car, going out to eat, sitting by the lake. And we spent hours and hours and hours. We would talk. And what was amazing was for some reason, I felt the freedom and the openness to ask her about the questions that I had. Uh, for some reason, I couldn't ask my friends and I couldn't ask others, but I was open. I felt a freedom to ask questions about Jesus and the Bible and life. And you see, Aaron was a Christian, probably one of the first Christians that I'd ever really spent time around. Aaron grew up in a Christian home, a godly family, was in church from the very first time she came home from the hospital. Um, she spent time in her childhood through her teenage years in church. Her freshman year, she grew as a Christian, really grabbed a hold of her faith, became her own. That by the time we met sophomore year, she was prime, I guess, positioned. She was ready to for God to use her. And God did use her in a huge way. A lot of the answers became clear. But one other thing for me was the organization called FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Fellowship of Christian Athletes reminded me of camp time at Camp Rockmont. We would sing songs. We would um, gather as a group and we would do fun things, sometimes outdoors at retreats. I was drawn to this group that would meet on Thursday nights at Furman, sometimes up to three to 400 people in the cafeteria at Furman. <clears throat> now, out of a, a campus population of 2,700 students, that is a large group. And so that spring semester, Aaron and I, and Aaron invited me, and we joined her friends, and we would go to FCA on Thursday nights. And I was drawn to the fellowship, drawn to the environment, drawn really to the worship. There was something bigger going on. Between that and talking to Aaron, I was moved. I began to open up God's word for myself. I began to open the pages of scripture and the truth of God's word began to uh, cut to the heart of what was going on in my life. Now, nothing really changed as far as me becoming a Christian or making a decision, but I went home the summer between my sophomore and junior year, and really it was good. It was good to kind of get away from things and uh, process a lot of it was going on in my heart. I came back September, the start of September for my junior year, and like was expected, um, Aaron and I were still hanging out. Um, she still wouldn't date me. Um, we were kind of the position of even our friendship that even for Aaron, we probably would need to kind of go separate ways. Um, you know, I know for her looking back, um, you can only, I guess, be around another person uh, for so long. But she, in patience and really in the love of Christ and her, um, she continued to kind of to be friends with me and, and reach out to me and be around me. But we went to FCA the first 
week, which was uh, the third week of September, first week they had it in 1993. And all I could tell you about that night was that the speaker, his name was Coach Tommy Marshall. He was the one of the coaches for the Furman football team. He spoke that night about how to have a clean heart. And it seemed to me my previous 21 years of existence came to a point that night. All the things and my struggles and my realizations and the conviction of sin, whether it be impatience or temper or lust from a pornography addiction that began when I was 11, whatever it was, uh, my struggles with purpose and needing um, answers to the bigger questions of life, every, everything that Coach Marshall shared about that night seemed to become crystal clear. You see, he shared about how to have a clean heart. And he shared um, in the most clear way these pieces of the gospel truth of Jesus, of the Lord, of different things. He made clear in his presentation the biblical truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That yes, though we are broken in our sin, the sin that separates us from a holy God, God in his provision sent his son Jesus to come to this earth to live as a sinless man but who would be crucified, murdered on a cross as a perfect sacrifice. That sacrifice of his blood would cover sin and offer forgiveness to those who turn to Jesus and follow him in faith. And Coach Marshall shared that night in his gospel presentation, and I I'd love to tell you that I jumped out of my seat. I raised my hand and said, yes, I want to be a Christian. It's not how it happened. Really, everything that night seemed to be a blur. I don't really remember leaving. I don't remember conversations that I had. I remember getting in the car, driving to my off-campus apartment, and I remember closing the door to my room of that apartment, sitting on the bed, going through my mind and my heart of all these things that I fully felt confronted with in a good way. I found myself on my knees, emotional, but yet clearly knowing exactly what I needed to do. I cried out to a holy God to forgive me of my sin, Trusting what Jesus did on the cross, knowing that he would make me a new creation. Church circles, we like to say something called the sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer is not in the Bible, but what I cried out to God that night was my version of the sinner's prayer. God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I'm broken. In my own sin, I'm unworthy of your standard that's here, and I'm way below. God, I can't do this on my own. I need forgiveness, and my only hope is you. I trust what you did providing your son Jesus to make a way so that the chasm that separates me and you, the void, can be brought together 
in relationship through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I cried out to him. And that night, third week of September, or Thursday night, in Greenville, South Carolina, on my apartment floor, on my knees, I cried out to God and God saved me. God made me a new creation. And I followed Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, I'd like to say that I became a super Christian and God, I became suddenly a preacher or whatever. You guys know me now. Many of you know me as a pastor here, here at First Baptist. But what began for me was a journey of spiritual growth. Erin would tell you when she saw me the next day, she could see the countenance in me different. She could see even visibly that the weight of sin was off of my heart and off of my life. Um, it began for me a journey uh, studying the Bible, beginning to sponge like a sponge to grow. Uh, for many, in many ways, my spiritual journey was five steps forward, three steps back, was a little forward, a little bit back, but moving forward, trusting Jesus in faith. I began as a junior in college, growing as a Christian, entering this new life of what it means to be a Christian. And God gave me um, um, I still had amazing friends uh, that I shared an apartment with and friends that I still converse with today and love them very dearly. But God also brought into my life some believers uh, who I counted um, a blessing that God helped me grow as a Christian because in addition to Aaron, that would help me grow. For some um, people, I've, I've communicated this way. My college experience was B.C. the first two years before Christ, and A.D. was in Christ the last two years. I began to be involved um, in Taylor's First Baptist Church. I started uh, going to church every week. I began um, to realize that the church is the place that I need to spend time to help me grow. It's a place that I felt closer to God. It was a place that I felt um, would help me in my Christian walk. And I did what most normal college students did. I went to church Sunday morning, a lot of times Sunday night, and even Wednesday night church. Yeah, most college students don't do that. But I, as a new creation, felt drawn to this community of faith that was Taylor's First Baptist Church. I even got to the point that um, I saw in the bulletin the youth pastors, student ministry said, hey, we need volunteers and I reached out and I was able to um, join in helping volunteer with the middle school ministry on Monday afternoons. I can remember at Taylor's First Baptist Church sitting in the pews where Dr. Carswell was the pastor. And he gave the gospel invitation for those who need to follow Christ or those who have made that decision need to be baptized. I remember later that spring semester, my junior year, <clears throat> excuse me, walking forward scared completely and it would lead to the day that I was baptized as a public expression of my faith in Jesus. Into my senior year, that youth group that I helped out with, God used mightily. Uh, Brantley Smith was the youth pastor, the middle school group, and he gave me an opportunity. Didn't know much about the Bible, but leading games with that student ministry every week gave me um, really a joy for student ministry. And it was that was really the beginning of a call to ministry for me. I was going to be a teacher and a coach. 
because my degree was in history, and I was going to go on and coach sports and work in high school or middle school. But by the end of my senior year, I felt God say, you know what? I'm leading you in a different way. And God really answered the prayer that as a new Christian, I began to have. Say, God, I'm yours. If I'm walking down a path, if I'm doing anything that's not what you want of me, I want you to show me. And boy, did God show me. God revealed to me not only purpose, not only joy, not only answers to the greatest questions of life, but God gave a calling on my life. I taught a Bible study last night with my small group here at church, and it was in the first part of Jeremiah. And the study said three things that have really stuck with me from, from that lesson. Is that um, The first is that if you realize that God made you, that is, that's a, that's a first of great step, that God made you. Second, that God knows you, that God knows you intimately and longs to know you, walking in relationship. That in that, and Jesus makes a way for that to be a reality, God calls you. God calls you to be about his mission. And that is sharing the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth, one person at a time. And I came to grow and realize that God had called me um, to, to teach, to lead others to Jesus. And for me, in the context of my calling was the local church. And I've been doing it ever since. Well, part two of my story will be the latter years of me being in seminary at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary and how God led me to First Baptist in Kings Mountain and how um, I've been incredibly blessed to be doing local church ministry for the last nearly 21 years. Wow. But you know, that's my story. That's my story of um, how God saved me, how um, God took a Florida beach kid who knew nothing about Jesus and religion growing up and Wow, set my feet on the solid rock. But really, another part of why I share this video is I'm excited about a new project I'm going to be working on. In the coming weeks and months, I hope to share an interview-style opportunity for the pastors of our church to share their story of how they became, I guess, Christ followers. And with that, part of the story is this. It comes from the verse in John 5.24. And John 5.24 says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. So I am going to start on a new project. You're going to see it on Facebook and YouTube. It's called Crossed Over. Let me show this little promo video and this will show you a little bit of the logo that I've come up with. I'm excited that this crossover project is going to be an opportunity for me in an interview style to interview with people within the, our, our church family and hopefully people who are beyond... Um, in the community, locally, and even maybe nationally, or even some of our missionaries overseas, to give you the opportunity to hear their story of how they have crossed over from death to life. And I think you'll be encouraged and strengthened by hearing 
their stories. Well, two verses I close with is the very first scripture verse I ever memorized. No, it's not John eleven thirty five, as my son would say. Jesus wept. It's John fourteen six. As a sixteen year old at Camp Rockmont, this verse was put before me to memorize. And it was a verse that would not really come to fruition for about another five years in my life. It's John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That verse became a reality for me. The very first verse I ever memorized, but Jesus is the way to new life, to restored relationship with the Father. And the last verse I close is really a verse that has become my life verse. It's Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So daily I seek to live a life that is crucified, that's dying to self, seeking to lay my life humbly before God and for him to use me in so many ways. So I hope I hope you'll take the opportunity, and before I close to say this, if you'll take the time uh, down below here to subscribe to this channel. As of today, I have zero subscribers. Maybe you'll be the first. Maybe you'll share this video for others to subscribe as well. But I hope coming soon to share some more stories with you. Crossed over the new project that I hope will encourage you and challenge you. So that's all I got today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. And I hope that you were blessed by this, hearing my story. I would love to hear your comments down below of maybe how Jesus has changed your life. Um, so many ways um, that we can share. But it doesn't take me share my story uh, necessarily um, to lead you to do that. But I hope it encourages you. I hope it encourages you to take the opportunity today to share how you have crossed over from death to life. Take care. We'll see you next time.